0: Four or five years into being in Detroit, I could not find a networking group here that I liked. And like any entrepreneurial-minded individual, I did what we all do. I scratched my own itch. I created one. And it turned out to be a very fast-growing and one of the first hybrid real-world online networking groups in the world. We had close to 10,000 people in our LinkedIn group and 6,000 people on our platform at Motor City Connect. And it really helped people that were being downsized and moved from their corporate job in 2007 through 2010. Detroit got hit really, really hard during that, uh, what, what do they call it, the Great Reset? You know, it was that financial tsunami that came through and wiped everybody out a little bit. And we gave people a safe place to kind of hang out.
1: up everybody welcome to a brand new episode of the none of your business podcast sean and Lacey here just as we are each and every week and boy today we've got another doozy all queued up for you can't wait to dive in and hear all about the great things because he comes highly recommended from uh two of our previous podcast guests um let's dial him up at terry bean jumping in what's up terry what's going on people thanks for having me good to see you well, we always begin every podcast with the exact same question for our guests because it's a super important question to us. We think that a lot of times, especially people that are on a lot of podcasts that we dial up on in the podcast world and um, social media and on the internet, um, it can oftentimes seem like people just have sort of, um, they woke up yesterday and they were successful. They right. just were- maybe Rolled their, out of
2: bed and entered their, into success, right? Their parents
1: handed them over a successful business. I mean, you were probably brought up um, you know, on the, under, and under silver Tony spoon, Robbins, yeah. Say, you and yeah. Tony were, were, you know, best friends. And then of course, I mean, this is all a piece of cake for you. And that usually is not the case. Can you tell us a little bit about how we end up here? Give us sort of the journey from, uh, from, uh, when you just were getting started, the ups and downs, highs and lows to where we're speaking to you today.
0: I love it, man. I right, let me pick the silver spoon out of my mouth. Lacey, yeah. let me, I mean, yank that out real quick. You know i had i had the opportunity to pull that silver spoon move my dad had a decent business here in the detroit area in office furniture as a herman miller dealer for years and years and i don't have the eye for design and fortunately we all knew that early on so it was uh you know make your own way son figure it the heck out and i remember being 17 well Actually, no, I was I was 20-ish, 21 in this conversation. My dad and I were at lunch, and he grabbed a salt shaker, and he said, look at this thing. And I said, all right. And he grabbed the silverware, and he said, look at this. And then he grabbed a glass and said, look at this. And I said, what are we doing here, Pop? And he said, I want you to think about what all they have in common. I said, well, they're all sitting here on this table. Uh, my dad was kind of a smart aleck, and uh, he passed that gene quite along to me, and I appreciated that. Um, But that wasn't what he was asking. What his point was, very specifically, was that each of those products had to be sold to the restaurant. And so he told me in that time, since I was not going to follow his original advice in 1991 of getting into computer science, because that's just not my personality type, uh, that I would probably be best suited to get into some level of sales. So I, I combined his advice, I got into technology sales and did that for a handful of years down in Columbus, Ohio, in the, in the mid to late 90s, eventually got into selling people as a, as a recruiter and running a staffing agency. And in doing so, I learned a lot about networking. When you are a recruiter. You cannot end a phone call without getting a referral for someone to call. Otherwise, the following the bouncing ball game ends. So who do you know? Who should I talk to? You know, who would be a good person to have a conversation with? All became really, really part of my conversation. It was like, you know, questions that I would ask. I would set up the referral request in the beginning of the call. I wouldn't remind them that I was going to be asking. And by the end of the call, I was absolutely asking. And, and getting those referrals became the lifeblood of my business success as a recruiter. Um, I was also in a business to business networking group at the time. I became the membership chair of our chapter, then the area director of five chapters. I was 26, 27 years old, training other people how to network more effectively. So that all ended in 2000 when I moved from Columbus back to Detroit. Fast forward four or five years into being in Detroit, I could not find a networking group here that I liked. And like any entrepreneurial minded individual, I did what we all do. I scratched my own itch. I created one. And it turned out to be a very fast growing and one of the first hybrid real world Online networking groups in the world we had close to ten thousand people in our LinkedIn group and six thousand people on our platform at motor city connect and it really helped people that were being downsized and moved from their corporate job in two thousand seven through two thousand ten. Detroit got hit really really hard during that uh what, what do they call it? The Great Reset? You know, it was that financial tsunami that came through and wiped everybody out a little bit. And we gave people a safe place to kind of hang out. That led to speaking. Speaking opened the door to coaching. Now I speak, I train, I coach, I help people build better relationships with the folks they need. It's who I am and what I do.
2: Okay, I got to backtrack because I think when you said you had an online community of 10,000 people, Sean and I looked at each other and we like, wow. So tell me a little bit more about that and how that potentially has since evolved or maybe dissolved or what it turned into because that's a pretty phenomenal feat. And, you know, nowadays, I think that that would still be something that people would love is being in online networking.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. By the time COVID hit, at the exact moment that you would, normal people would double down on something like that, I shut it down, right? Everybody zigs, I zag. Um, I was so annoyed with it because it was, it's too much time and energy and effort uh, over the 15 years prior that it was funny that we're talking about Paula Ruffin. March 23rd, 2020, the state of Michigan closed down. On March 24th, 2020, I had a meeting scheduled. And because the meeting was already scheduled and I'd been using Zoom for my show for a few years, I just moved the meeting virtually and moved it to Zoom. And that day, my wife called the office. She's like, I'm using the office because we only had one in the house at the time and said, all right, I'll just do this meeting from the bedroom, no big deal. And so I was laying there watching Doc give her great talk on brain gut health. And I was looking at the audience and the group online and I said, I'm never doing this again. (laughs) That was the moment that it ended, not for anything Paula did, her talk was phenomenal. But the idea of staring at everybody so tiny, little did I know I'd be doing it all the flipping time. Right. But it's, uh, it was one of those things where I was like, Man, this is this is not how I want to spend time and energy. In hindsight, it really was the time to probably double triple down and figure out how to leverage all those folks and those eyeballs a lot better. But I was I was I was tired, man. I need a you need someone to, to partner with on things like that, especially when they're a heavy lift to to share that no, workload. Absolutely. And I didn't find I looked at a bunch of different people and never found anybody that had the right, the right energy, the right mix. You know, you gotta, it, in, you know, in all sincerity, Paula would be a great one to do it with, but she's, you know, she's busy doing Paula things.
2: That's right. <laughs>
1: so what was next for you after that you shut it down and where do you go?
0: Uh, virtual training, right. Sitting in this chair, teaching people how to leverage their network, teaching people how to leverage social media and the tools and, build their brand and their thought leadership. All of those things became really, really important and prominent. And so I spent a lot of time doing that. I still had some coaching clients. And then at one point, one of my clients that I had been coaching in the insurance space, uh, honestly, kind of threw me a lifeboat. I didn't think of it as such at the time, but he had a problem with his VP of sales. And uh, I said, man, we got you got to do something different. I'm a former recruiter. I'll find you the right guy. And we'll put a list together of people that have the right qualities, the right qualifications, the right attitude and aptitude. And you're going to lose sleep over who to pick. He said, I love that idea. Make sure your name's on the list. And I said, bro, that's not what part of qualities and qualifications did you did you miss, man? I don't like I can barely spell insurance. He's like, we can teach you that. So we I went in and worked with him for about a year and a couple of months and in the time it was supposed to be a 4 year exit we ended up selling it within about 9 11 months so then i went i so i stopped everything i was doing totally reverse course and then a year and a few months later i was like oh look i guess i'm back doing what i was doing so which is really
2: <laughs> and here we are
0: yeah i exactly. love it
2: well, I was kind of browsing through a lot of the information that you put out there and you know, Sean and I are both coaches, consultants, kind of this idea people ask us what you do. I always say business consultant. What do you say? Yeah, consultant. business consultant. But I love that you've kind of come up with this terminology coach consultant. So, can you expand on that because I think that's really important for anybody out there that's trying to Elevate their business to number one, understand the difference between the two. And number two, understand actually what you do and how you apply them both. Uh,
0: I appreciate that. Wow, you really did some research. Good job. Um, research. I love it. I love it. So for me, a, a really good coach uses their questions to do the heavy lifting, right? A great coach isn't going to tell you what to do, a great coach is going to be like an attorney and lead you to a logical conclusion. They know where they want you to go, but they want you to come up with the answer because if the coach is telling you what to do, you're not as likely to do it as if you come up with it on your own. A consultant, on the other hand, is a is an expert in something that you bring in to maybe roll up their sleeves or to tell you what to do. And I found myself wearing both hats through all of the sessions I was in. And then the word coach when I started in 2008 was kind of fresh, Um, but by 2015, oh, and and in 2008, the word consultant meant that you got laid off and didn't have a job. And so you were billing yourself as something else. Um, And so I didn't really jive with that at the time. And then by 2015, 2016, the word coach kind of had that same connotation to it. Like everybody that no longer is employed and is doing their own thing became a coach. So I was like, you know, back to Zig when everybody's eggs. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a coach Salton because I'm gonna do both. There are clients that I have that I'll actually get it dirty with and do the work. And there are clients that I have that I'm gonna stay very pristine, ask you tough questions and make you think about what you need to do when. And there, sometimes it's not even the client. Sometimes it's just the situation depending on what needs to get done. Well, I love that,
1: and and you know, Lacey and I talk an awful lot about the difference between a coach and a mentor, but I never thought about the consultants and the coaches being laid off and then they're out I know. on the market. We're,
2: we're cracking up because we call ourselves consultants. I'm like, oh, that's because I've never done. had a real
1: job. So I don't know what I don't know what it's what like to get like. laid
2: off, right? I
1: don't know what that's, that's like amazing you brand yourself as a consultant. So uh, I absolutely love that. Hey, um, right in the middle here of the podcast. I want to make sure that people know how to connect with you. Um, If people are enjoying and then enjoy the rest of the show, how can people reach out to you and find out more about what you've got going on?
0: I appreciate that. The best way is on my website. It's trybean.com, T-R-Y-B-E-A-N.com. I'm a real avid LinkedIn user, so you can find me there. as Terry Bean, the one in Detroit, uh, because there's a few of us out there, and one of them did really, really bad things. Don't find the guy in Portland, Oregon. That is not me. I promise. I mean,
2: you know we're going to look now, right? I know you are. And
0: now you're going to be like, holy crap, I can see why you would say that. (laughs) So, yeah, man, that's, uh, I'm on all the other socials too, but I I find myself uh, using my Facebook page, which is also slash tribean and LinkedIn the majority of the time. I look like this and I don't take very good photos on the other side of the camera either. So Instagram's never really been my jam, man. <laughs> <won't>. Fair enough. <laughs> and so you uh let's talk about the book. You've got a book coming out. It's got
1: a uh very um hook-like title, but I understand that it was written um with a with a dose of passion and purpose. Um so tell us about the book that's coming out.
0: Yeah, man. Uh so I I started writing to my daughter last fall in October. She went through a couple of really traumatic episodes in college Uh, last year in December, uh, a boy that she had dated briefly, she wasn't dating him at the time, but about three weeks after they broke up, he jumped off a bridge and that kind of messed her up as it would mess anybody up. Uh, And then fast forward eight months in the September-ish timeframe, her roommate overdosed on a bunch of pills and, you know, She had to like resuscitate this girl in their apartment. And so those two things happening to a 19, 20 year old girl, less than a year time frame was rough. And so I started kind of sharing things about mindset and about how we make decisions and how we kind of flow through life and what we let get to us and what we don't, what we put in a box and what we sit with and embrace. And as I was writing these things to her, I was about 10 entries in, consider them like individual blog posts. I said, Is this helpful? And she said, Dad, no one's ever taught me this stuff. I don't understand why we don't learn these things. And it was, you know, a combination of lessons I've learned from observing and from reading and, you know, being esoteric and into the metaphysical woo woo space a little too much, probably. And, and she's like, I, yeah, I just wish someone else would have shared this with me. I've talked to my friends about it. And none of them know it, too. And I said, what do you think if we turn this into a book? Do you think it would help people? And she said, yeah, for sure. And so I would title each one of those little blogs. And it was originally going to be just called Mindset Matters. But as I wrote one of the posts, it was called Finding Harmony in the Fucks You Give. And like any band that's put together an album where they take the title of a song or a lyric from the song and they name the entire album that, that's what happened. It was like the, the title of the book came from just writing the book. And, you know, taking time and taking account of what really matters in your life, how to make better decisions and be clear on them, um, really became the driving force. And so it's geared toward... You know, her, she's 20. And so people at her age and a little older than her age, because we're filled with anxiety right now. Everybody's got FOMO of what they're they're not doing. You know, we're all looking at everybody's highlight reel on social media and comparing our lives to theirs. And we're all triggered a little too easily. So it's about figuring out what really, really matters to you and letting the rest of the shit go.
2: Gosh, so I love that because, you know, a lot of times we in our own lives, we go through our own trials and tribulations and we learn so many life lessons and then we take them for granted, right? And we forget that people haven't had the same experiences to learn those. So I love that you put that like into a beautiful collaboration for people to journey through to be able to learn those in advance before having to experience them. So that's so beautiful. I got to ask, though, where can people get the book?
0: Oh yeah. So I don't have the official book website, but for now there's a page on my website, dot com slash finding harmony. So in there, there's a couple of videos. Yeah. I, I tried to keep that part cleaned up a little bit. Right. Uh, there's some, there's some videos talk of me talking about what's in the book. And I did some Facebook lives from a promotional standpoint. So they'll be able to see it. The one thing that drives me the most nuts though, is like, I modeled all of the behaviors in this book for 20 years, right? I shared with this, I, this is the, the book is who I am. And, but my kid didn't pick up on it. And one day it dawned on me, I never connected the dots for her. I was showing her all these things, I was being the person that can do these things, but I never really explained why they matter. And so, like, because you, you, you look in at your life when your daughter, when your kid does something messed up, it's a reflection on you. And so I'm like, what? where did I go wrong? And it was the idea of making sure that, you know, the underlying why was very clear. So there's a good lesson for me too. I've learned a lot through the process.
2: You know, that's something that's so interesting that you say that, because that's something that we have learned actually in from a, even a leadership standpoint. So if you're right. out there and you have a business or you have team or you hire on individuals, so oftentimes we're just like, here's what you do without the underlying why behind it. And we found that when we made that tweak of telling people the why behind it, they just got the lesson and the reasoning so much better and they were able to execute faster. So that's not just something with our kids. I mean, that's something that you can expand out into any position of leadership that you have right
1: well i love that it was mindset matters and we use that a lot we well, all of our workshops are something matters sales yeah. matters
2: marketing money matters. matters money matters relationships
1: matter <laughs> all, ma- time matters <laughs> time matters i love i love that um so if somebody goes to trybean.com and they're um you know hanging out there they're gonna see a lot of ted x stuff on there Let's talk about your, you know, because where does that fit in? I mean, you you have this such an interesting journey, but then just
0: all of a sudden, boom, 10X, 10X.
2: Detroit.
0: <laughs> 10X Detroit, yeah. Um, so when when Motor City Connect was really really humming and active, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, uh, my I had a buddy of mine that was kind of running it with me, and he's a marketing guy and was always watching TED videos. And found out that in that year, 09, Ted released this X program, allowing people to independently produce their own event. And so he called them, got the license, hung up with them, called me and said, hey, good news, we're putting on a Ted event. I said, who's Ted? And he laughed. He said, you know those videos I send you all the time? I said, none of them had me in them, bro. I didn't see any of them i'm kidding but it was it was like ah what is it and so he told me i said yeah all right let's put it on so we put on the very first one in september or october 2009 and just had a meeting uh, last week talking about the 15th one that's going to be coming up here in september of 2023 so i've had the opportunity to grace that stage a few times so there's a few ted talks on my youtube channel Um, but it's been such a great way, especially, especially in the early days, man, Detroit got hit hard. I know I mentioned that a few minutes ago. Uh, I was, I was presenting to a city that is, uh, that borders Detroit this morning. I was presenting to the mayor and his team on leadership. And we talked a little bit about the old days in Detroit and when the deputy sheriff was like remember when we used to call it you know murder city I'm like yeah dude i do remember that and it's amazing to see how far it's come because right now if you look at usa today in the nation's best river walks it's the city of detroit you know and so to watch just the elevation of where that town has gone um it's like kind of the hard work And so TEDx Detroit and Motor City Connect were both outpours of love for the city. That's why they exist, was to change the narrative because, you know, you can't expect the rest of the world to stop bashing you when you're all running around bashing yourself. And so that's why I was intrigued and why I got on board with it, because I wanted us to change that story. And... I, you know, 15 years later, I, I you know what, I'll pat myself on the damn back because, you know, I'm not Dan Gilbert, so I didn't, I didn't do it with cash. I did it with shifting <laughs> the energy, right? And that is every bit as important. Well, it doesn't spend well, but so yeah. it's almost important.
2: <laughs> it's I mean, 15 years, that's an amazing track record. Um, and all of that's those- my 15- overnight
0: success, Lacey. That's my- yeah.
2: Overnight, I know, right? Just like rolled out of bed and there you were. I got to ask, like, is there any one moment or one thing that you learned or heard somebody say that truly sticks out for you over your 15 years of listening to that?
0: Oh, um, wow, 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 wow. You know, there, there is definitely a moment. There was a lady that's a professor down in Texas that is from the Detroit area. And she's she's working down there. She's uh, she did a talk called creating a STEM, a female STEM army. And so her job is to empower women and get them into chemistry in particular and science in general. And she got up on this stage and her name is Kate the chemist. So if anybody's like, what is he talking about? Google Kate the chemist, TEDx Detroit, and you'll see. But her energy was so flipping phenomenal, is so high, and throughout this entire talk, it was so fun. And at the tail end of it, she taught us all how to breathe fire and literally set the stage ablaze. Well, maybe not literally, but she set the air ablaze on stage. The stage did not catch on fire. Um, and that really, like, every time I think of it, it makes me smile.
2: That's amazing. That's
1: awesome. You know, my um, family on my mother's side is from the Detroit area, Mm -hmm. Roseville. My grandparents lived there. My family are all GM workers, so they um, up in Pontiac and in all of the areas. I grew up going up to Roseville, and uh, you know, long time ago. That was before two (laughs) thousand and eight, and and doing all of the fun Detroit things. So it, it is. It was truly sad to see what. Um, the city went through, um, and it is truly inspiring to see um, it rise again. Um, That's a testament to the overall leadership in the city, but also, you know, people like you who decided to, you know, draw a line in the sand and stand for something, um, not run um, and um, help to rebuild the fiber that built the community. And I think that's absolutely phenomenal. I want to encourage everybody to reach out trybean.com on all the handles and on just your browser, trybead.com and make sure you get a copy of the book. I think that um, it's gonna be very inspirational because I also wonder how many parents might read this book and also be inspired um, either just on an individual level to share with their own children, or maybe there's a few more books that get written because of their unique life experiences and kind of what they've gone through um raising their children so terry we want to thank you so much for jumping on the none of your business podcast today
0: i appreciate it it's been a lot of fun you two. i really i like your style i like how you go through this how'd you come up with the name i gotta ask none of your business
1: well we have a, a it's the same name as our um book we have a book called none of your business and the whole idea um in this is to we're working to inspire service providers to fall back in love with the idea of being a business person. So many of us are like, oh, I don't want to market or I don't want to sell. I don't want to network. I don't want to post anything on social media. But I do feel like people should just reach out to me and give me money. Um, and that I haven't found um, anywhere.
2: Anywhere that that works. <laughs> that yeah. That that works. So if we're you on a do, mission. Not, I, I yeah. read that
0: book. I, read, yeah. I, read, I will watch that podcast. I'll watch that TED Talk. Let Absolutely. me know when
1: that comes out. Absolutely love it. Well, Terry, thank you again so much for being on the show. All right, everybody. We're going to work We're gonna have to work double hard next week to top this one, Terry crushed it, knocked it out of the park, Um, but don't worry. We're gonna give it a shot. We'll be back again next week with a brand new edition of the None of Your Business Podcast.